episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. You've paid your dues. Book after book. I've jammed my sentence. This AP you've partook. And natural toots. Well, we've had a few. I've had my share of criticals thrown in my face. But we've made it through. You are the champions, my friends. You won all the boss fights in the end. You are the champions. You are the champions. The Islanti are the losers. And you've got the rune drive for the free worlds. Guys, welcome back. Welcome back, podcast listeners, kings and queens in your own right, and other non-gendered monarchy rulers. Welcome to Cosmic Crit's Greatest Hits. This is your GM here, G-Money Mercury, a.k.a. Patrick, ready to introduce you to the cast and crew of this here podcast for the last time in season two. So please join me in welcoming to the show my five friends and your players to my right. A well-placed shot from his drone is like dynamite with a laser beam. It's Tyler playing Nikithi and Drone-itis. I want to be the supersonic man, Patrick. To his right, she has a tiny demon put aside for thee and thee and thee. It's Rebecca rocking to Lara. Scaramouche. Across the digital table, he will, he will throw a rock at you. It's Miles with a whim. To his right, hey, he's going to trick attack you by making you bite into dust. It's Jabert bringing Bumfuzzle. <laughs> hey, Patrick. And to my left, he's got 200 entropy points. Yeah, and that's why we call him Mr. Vanguard. It's Drew running with a cast. Woo! 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 Hey, all How are you guys doing? I'm very upset Good. that you didn't call Win a fat-bottomed bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh boy we have it fun makes here. the shit go round <laughs> uh, whoa 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 it's <laughs> ship like just like revolves around like a, your butt yeah. <laughs> it's got a gravitational s-h-i-p i heard something there was a there was a p there listeners a p ship ah a p i see what you did oh you also could have used uh princes of the universe uh, one of my favorite queen songs. Speaking of another AP, we have another one done, folks. Another season of Cosmic Crit coming to a close here today. I've just uploaded my personal copies of the PDFs to our shared account. You guys feel free to look through those now that we're done. Mm-hmm. I will. Yeah, yeah. I think we we talked a little bit about uh, Dead Sons when we were done with that. Um, you guys could go through and read them. Um, but that will be in the future because today it's episode 115 and uh, it was just a scant 40 episodes ago. You guys were jumping into these player characters mindsets for the first time. A scientist, a space knight, a tempered warrior, a bewitched summoner and our favorite goblin, of course. And now we're here at the end of the road once more. It's been a long road. It's, uh, it's been a been a fun ride. But I mean, no, I thought you were ready. About to- 
ready for <laughs> some R&R. Song. <laughs> yeah, I just keep spitting them out all episode. I mean, yeah, it's been, well, I mean, 40 episodes, but it's been like almost a full year, it feels like. Um, a little less than a year, I guess. We started February, when, March 2019. Uh, I want to say January is when we, we started in, in earnest, but all good things have to Come to a close. Are you guys ready to get back into it? Ready to get to the end of Against the Aeon Throne? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm scared, but I'm ready. <laughs> this episode starts not in the vast of space, but within the vast of space inside the newly magically refurbished power core chamber of the phoenix's respite and here alone we see the six heroes still bruised their armor painted with the blood and, and pockmarked with bullet holes and carbon scoring as well as space grease and starship oil the five of you and sedona as well sitting on tables and chairs around the ominously silent rune drive still attached to your ship via about 20 cables and wires a day after the, the battle against the Star Runner, and you all are realizing now that you won. You have beaten the Islanti, gotten away. They're not going to be able to, to follow you anytime soon. But now there's a great responsibility and a, a decision that is laying on your shoulders. And that is what, what happens to the Rune Drive next. And that's why you're all in the Power Core right now to, to talk about. Now that combat's done, you've escaped... Arellos. What are your, what do your characters say? It is still hard to believe we are alive. I can't help but feel like we should have died at least a dozen times throughout that. I told you you'd make it slugger. Got a little hairy there for a minute or two, but uh, yeah, I think we all had it pretty well in hand. Nikithi looks over at Idis, who only has three legs at the moment. Right, and <laughs> Bumfuzzle has like one eye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got two and four irrespectively there so you guys got a ton <laughs> but also put an eye patch on his good eye <laughs> <laughs> oh boy but we so, must decide what to do about this it is certainly saved us i don't believe that we could have escaped the Islanti fleet without it it is a powerful piece of technology it's a it would be a shame to destroy it if we knew how to do so but uh Oh, boy, it's hard to imagine somebody uh, hanging under a thing like this. If it stays on this ship, the Islanti will find it. They will hunt it down, and they will not stop. It should be destroyed. I agree that it could be destroyed, but I do not worry too much about the Islanti being able to recover it. It can. It is so powerful that it can warp such a distance. They would never be able to catch up with it. I know what I said before about, you know, selling it to the highest bidder other than the Islanti, but... Uh, in hindsight, do we know anyone who might be trustworthy? I mean, it seems like a shame to destroy it, but That's at the same time. time. Um, Sedona can, can jump in and say, in my time with the organization, I have only known them to be honorable and accountable, but the, the pact stewards might be one that can take this technology and keep it out of corporations and outside of other malign alien nations hands they are they are ones that i would trust yes, um but 
trust must be earned. And though you, the people that you have been in contact with in that organization and worked with in that organization are trustworthy, it is a very large organization with very long tentacles that reach into many other things. I would not trust that someone somewhere in that organization would get their hands on it and take it who knows where to do who knows what with it. Well, and not only that, but they sent us on this mission knowing that it was basically impossible. They half expected us to die, right? I also think that it is easy for anybody to say that they will not use the technology during a time of peace. But when war comes, as it is inevitably always does, it will be a great temptation. I will say right now the rune drive is kind of like burnt out from from what you did to upgrade the Phoenix's respite. That being said, like the tech is still there and could be broken down or kind of dissected that kind of research would take years it's not like someone can take it right now and and act and like duplicate it like that it's it's going to take some time so but like i said um you know your guys's options are basically to to give it over to someone to try and hide it or to just take it yourself and and run with it forever because like Kazra and Akithi said there you know the Islantes will try and find this if they know it's still uh, out there other than the pack stewards are there any other options do we have any other ideas well there is a temple there's a temple where this thing can be held it is uh, close to um, the source of all drift beacons a temple to Tryune and um, I think perhaps, uh, perhaps there it can be safe. Triune is the god that like initiated the uh, the drift technology. So, I mean, it's it's kind of fitting that this is a, a different form of um, hyperspace kind of travel. Right. I- if there's a, if there's anyone who can protect us from from this device coming back to life, it would be Triune. And we must trust in her. That's, I, that's my thought. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, that's, I'm, that's my whole thing. But uh, but but what are your thoughts on the subject, guys? <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to, to remind ourselves. Did this crew go to Illuvion? No. 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 <laughs> I, I begged you to go there several times, but uh, <laughs> no was, one wanted to do it. That was the trick. <laughs> everyone, everyone was an old was an old ding dong and said, no, thank you. I don't want to have fun. Drew, but I think we're the cool all... Folks. We're all well aware that Bumfuzzle is on a mission to like recover Sedona or maybe it's Aereo or something. Like he's working with I don't know, androids yeah. on Alluvion. Yeah. Like that that's known to us. Yeah, yeah. I've I've brought that up several times. And I yeah. think at this point, um, I've sort of leveled with everybody like I that I was here to bring uh Sedona back or at least I thought I was here to bring Sedona back and then I've since learned that I, I I'm really here for Aereo but but I but really I want to bring everybody back I think everyone belongs at Alluvia <laughs> um well it, there, there's a bunch of different ideas here do you guys want to take some kind of vote on on what to do or uh where to to kind of stick the rune drive technology well, I mean, Talara would chime in on Bumfuzzle, Bumfuzzle's behalf, I think. Um, so I don't know exactly who Bumfuzzle is working with over on Alluvion, but everyone I've ever known, other than you guys, you know, you know how we are. But everybody else that has ever been kind to me has been an android. And really, I want to find that android that I saw in my 
whatever vision from the rune drive. I want to mm-hmm. figure out what that's all about. So maybe Alluvion would be a good starting point. We can at least interview these androids and see if we think that they would be up to snuff um, based on Bumfuzzle's recommendation. Oh, I, I promise you, if, it, if there's snuff to be up to, that's the, they're the folks. Oh, they're the ones for you. <laughs> you say that, Bumfuzzle, but they were not exactly honest with you about your own mission. How well, can you be so certain that you can trust them? Well, let's just, I mean, well, they're going to be words. I'll say that much, but, uh, uh, but the mission is true and it's important. We must bring the 19 together again. Why? Okay, well, let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, nobody, nobody, Drew, really, what, nobody, what, really, I mean, nobody really lets me in. And I was like a level one character, so they didn't <laughs> really like bring me into the whole thing. But uh, With all due respect, I know that you trust these people, but I have not met them. I cannot speak to that. And whatever their mission is, if we don't know about it, if you don't know the details, then this te- piece of technology that will take years to rebuild, they will have those years. They will rebuild it. But then, Kaz, you must, you must come to Alluvian and meet them. You must understand. You must. Sedona Please come with us. Is going to break you two up and and ask uh, Kaz, do you have any? Uh, inkling what you want to do with the rune drive? I believe it should be thrown to the closest star, destroyed, never to be recovered. That is definitely not enough to destroy this magical device. There are whole people's careers built around diving into the packed sun and retrieving ancient items. If, if we knew how to destroy this, I would say that might be the safest route, but that is not within our capabilities I, I understand that many of you have different ideas about what to do with this technology. I feel like we can perhaps take a, a private vote. And from there, we agree that the majority, we will go with their will. I am fine with this. Uh, let's vote. Yeah. You guys um, all, all okay? Yeah. I, I think Wynn might have a suggestion, but I don't know if it's possible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, he would He would probably be like, is there a way that we could dismantle it so that each one of us has a piece of it so that it is never together at the same time? Well, they will probably do that in, in breaking down the technology, but it's a, you know, um, like a three by three foot cube. So, you know, you would have probably enough in, in any one of those pieces to, to replicate at least a little bit of what was going on there. Okay, okay. But I mean, if that is something that you want to do, and suggest to everyone i mean that is like split up the dragon balls they never get back together again <laughs> well i mean i'm not saying it would never happen but i like I, I guess in win's head because he doesn't really know that mm-hmm. that having it in in five separate pieces i mean it will slow things down for certain um would make it more difficult for anyone to yeah to do that but i i, I didn't know that they could just take one point well you'd have some technology that you might be able to replicate there right um um yeah let, let's let's do a, a somewhat secret vote once you guys just uh secret dm me via discord what your character would want to to do with it we, we've got a couple options here uh, feel free to vote on your own we'll we'll figure it out all right great um uh we will get back to that vote 
a little bit later um, because the scene kind of fades out as you all are, you know, still discussing things and fade backs in a few days later at a brief stop at Outpost Zed, where you are warmly greeted by Hasha Cheer in this private uh, docking bay. The Rekrichi seems to be in very good spirits as he seems to have finally kicked some of the last vestiges of his shell rot while while docking here and refueling, getting your ship checked out. The the Rikrichi takes on some of the rescued scientists from Orelos and is um, says he's fine, you know, putting himself in charge of getting them back home or providing sanctuary um, to some of the Atlantis scientists who uh, who want to now get out of the Star Empire. Uh, and it's it's here on Outpost said that you guys have to say farewell as well to Margrober. Oh no! Tell me it isn't so. I've written about 20 pages of farewell dialogue for her, so let's get through these pretty quickly. Wait, 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 wait. What about the storyline where she was interested in one of the scientists? Did that pan out? Uh, she tries to share a uh, a corner of the Phoenix's respite on the return trip back. It doesn't pan out, so obviously uh, uh, Nikki is next in line for her advances. <laughs> uh, no, in, in her, you know, parting, she says... Fairly well, you mooky mooks. Thanks for not stealing the root drive and leaving us to rot on that asteroid. You are welcome. It was fun to work with you while it lasted. Oh, look at look at the moves you're trying to put on me. Let's uh, let's save it for the, the, the reunion episode later. Not a problem. Uh, the rest of the scientists are indeed going to travel back to a planet you guys haven't laid eyes on in near a month or so. A very bright green and white glowing orb in the vast of space. Nakondist, um, just a few weeks later, rests silently beneath your ship. And seeing it all aboard, especially Sedona and, and the five of you, seem to let go of the last lingering thread of anxiety and doubt as... It is officially now all over. You guys have emerged victorious and you're back where this whole thing started. Um, as the respite bursts through the clouds and you can finally see the the, the town of Madeline's Landing, um, there is an epic celebratory greeting party that meets you when you touch down at Phoenix's Landing, the area just to the north of the city designated as the new ship port. The entire town is there to welcome your vessel, and they let out a huge cheer as your ship's portside airlock opens to reveal you all. You see Madelon Kessie, the mayor, sending you a, a very loud prayer uh, of Abadar. And then as you guys kind of pile out of the ship, Weldis Arquin is there, uh, Jellic and Ibretta, Gariah Lee. They all come up and start congratulating, hugging you. They, they push naturally locally grown fruits and, and some freshly baked bread in your hand so you don't have to eat any of the mush aboard your starship. Jellic might pass his flask over to you, Kaz, and the crowd, you know, already uproarious, will uh, cheer even louder as they see Sedona kind of step forward. Madelon Kessie quiets everyone as she will step in front of him, and having healed her mind over the past few weeks, she's looking uh, very healthy, very rested, and uh, Madelon, Mayor Madelon says, you know, what do my eyes 
portray before me, but the return of a prodigal daughter. Welcome home, Sedona. There are tears and cheers as family members hold one another. You guys are on the receiving end of quite a few high fives and tentacle slaps as the the entire colony of Nakondas begins to move in mass towards where there's tables and chairs set up in front of the town rec hall for a, a grand party. But as you make your way down there in front of what used to be the Aslanti barracks, uh, you're met with a small platoon of armed guards in white and gold armor. Their insignia showing them to be members of the stewards. A, a darker-skinned woman steps forward from the group, and you recognize her immediately from her message as Depadra Avosco, the captain that sent you to rescue Sedona from Golta. Uh, another Nomcoms officer steps forward, a Kasothan woman with a rifle slung on her back, and says, Crew of the Phoenix's respite, stand down. By order of the Pact Council and the authority of the stewards. The entire town kind of, like, stops talking for a moment as their merriment turns to whispers and, and low murmurs. This Kasothan steward says, Who speaks for you all? Where, where is the captain here? I am the captain. When, as you step forward, this this very slight human woman, Depadra, does as well, the steward director reaches her hand out for you to shake. Uh, so when would take her hand? I, I would just like to take this moment to say that Bumfuzzle is running back to the ship right now. <laughs> Why? Where I'm, you... I'm firing up those engines. I'm getting the hell out of here. I, I can't get mixed <laughs> up with the stewards. No, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I've got warrants in several systems. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> as <laughs> I mean, a lot of you guys uh, have, have criminal records. Uh, when she takes your hand and instead of shaking it kind of lifts it up in the air like you just won a, a title match bout and once more now the town is like ecstatically cheering as this uh, steward uh, says uh, give it up middle on landing for the crew of the phoenix's respite and well, I don't know somewhere music starts playing like immediately as uh, as people go and start making merry the celebration that night is epic, uh, much like the one when you liberated Madelon's Landing. Uh, you guys get the first packed style home cooked meal you've had in some time. Stories are shared, new friends and old regale one another, their words and, and warm demeanor. What do you guys, <laughs> what do you think your characters are doing during this uh, this huge party? Uh, Wynn is probably given like little, little uh, bear rides to all the kids. <laughs> Of the, of the village <laughs> like on, on four legs yeah like on four legs mm -hmm. Talara has started a card game to try to get some of her credits back Kaz <laughs> uh, is going around to the various uh, people that he learned bits of their language earlier in the adventure to to show them how he has been practicing and Ooh. and and communicating with them in their own tongue how many languages does Kaz know now? <laughs> uh, so a, a lot, uh, but I mm -hmm. don't have a, an exact number because I, uh, I didn't do it for last week. So <laughs> oh, at least seven. <laughs> uh, it's like 11 or 12 now, I think. Whoa. Because well, he's got the, uh, the, the tempered pilgrim, which is two per, per rank. Um, uh, yeah. If, uh, 
Yeah, if uh, if Bumfuzzle's pretty sure we're not going to be arrested right now. Um, <laughs> Everyone roll initiative. Let's go. <laughs> right. Very, very cautious about joining the party. But uh, uh, once 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 it sort of gets underway and nobody's paying attention, Bumfuzzle will sort of come into the group and uh, walk up to a, a, a group of youngsters and start doing some some uh, some sleight of hand magics and like you know making cards disappear and things like that and sort of entertaining <laughs> the youngsters. Nikithi. Oh, I think Nikithi would just be sitting next to the the mayor and he just has like his his appendages over his ears. It's too loud. It's too wet here. <laughs> it's too green. He's not happy to be back. I mean, he's happy to see everybody, but he's also like, I forgot why I did not like this planet. And uh, you know, meanwhile, like Itis is tugging on his clothing to try and get him to dance when she's like (laughs) well i I feel like a a select man would would love the uh pacific northwest uh temperature and climb oh he prefers a lab (laughs) cold uh, and sterile bumfuzzle walks up nikathy would you dance with me oh i I can't. I uh, everyone can dance. Come on, I, like this. Wee! <laughs> no, you're just dancing right here. Huh? <laughs> no, 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 like, no, no, no. I just go spinning is... off by myself. I, I got to imagine Bumpo's dancing just looks like him uh, <laughs> hitting someone with the butt of a pistol. <laughs> this is a great opportunity for a Frozen reference, where oh, I don't dance, but my drone does, and you send Ida's out with the crazy person who is dancing around. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. if. As soon as Ida sees Bumfuzzle dancing around, she goes and, uh, oh. you know, Ida's is a little bit, We he's obviously in the time it take us took us to get here, Ida's is significantly bigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's always a medium construct, but uh, I've always seen it as she levels up, she grows. And so um, she's probably uh, at least a, above head level with Bumfuzzle at this point. So they could dance together pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And what a change from the beginning of the season when Bumfuzzle was a, uh, a, Stereotypical goblin in, in hating all things Akata. <laughs> just, <laughs> just throwing it out there. 40 episodes later. A lot of change. Um, yeah, that night after you guys are, are done dancing, drinking, and eating, uh, you get to sleep on some of the best mattresses in town. Bumfuzzle, you get a private bathtub suite. Yarquin house. <laughs> and yeah, a section of the, the rec hall is, is made up for, the, for you all. And you guys have uh, some of the best sleep, huh? some of the best rest you've had maybe in your entire lives. And it's the next morning when Sedona once again calls you all together for a meeting at her home, a place I don't think you've got a chance to see yet, another one of these very small container units in town, on the, the south side of town. Uh, when you come inside, you see the walls are just covered in old geological readouts and maps and there are a few holographic projections of terrain shot from uh, above from drones and she'll make you all some some tea some breakfast and uh, you know asks ask you to get comfortable and she'll start by saying so I brought you all together for a job under the pretenses of supplying this colony many months ago but I must reveal now that I had an ulterior motive. Indeed, many years ago, in another life, I was a slave. I was indentured to a mining company on some dark rock in the vast, and one night when I was at my lowest, I had a friend that was hurt 
they were tortured, their mind nearly destroyed, and I prayed to Triune for some sort of deliverance. And while I did not get a response from the god, that is one, I did get another sign. I saw a future vision, a version of myself who looks confident, bold, and happy. And she told me she came from the future, and that to stop a group of people even worse than my captors, I would need to remember five names and try to meet them and draw them together on a planet called Akondas. I was taken aback, but I remembered what I told myself. I repeated your names over and over again to Lara, Nakithi, Kaz, Wynn, and Bumfuzzle. And while I could never locate you, Bumfuzzle, to secure your position on this job, it looks like Triune had you find us instead. When we activated the rune drive, I found myself flung back in time and in meeting my, my former personages, uh, my, my former self, in that slaver's mind once more completing this loop. And this time I was the one reassuring myself that you all had what it took to take on the Aslanti Empire. But that was the extent of my vision. The, the prophecy I gave myself has come true. You all did it. You thwarted the Sardat and saved maybe more lives than we can ever know. But your mission is over now. I cannot thank you enough, but your futures are your own, and whether or not you all stay together now that your mission is over is up to you. I understand you all joined this crew while going through various stages, problems in your own lives, and perhaps it was indeed unfair for me to draw you all into this. If you wanted to go your separate ways, I understand. When the Phoenix's respite is on a lease, it is up to you if you want to keep up with that. But I would like what? to know, it, Elise, it, it's, it is not paid outright. It is very expensive. It is a, a whole starship. And now you made some capital improvements with, with magic. They're, they're going to want to see the paperwork for that. And I hope you didn't put a security deposit down because you're not getting that back. <laughs> Yeah, well, what are what are your character's thoughts here? Uh, I'm still reeling about the whole lease thing. <laughs> well, that's if you want to keep it. You can turn the Phoenix's respite back over and um, you know, make your own way in the universe. Uh, as for myself, there is some traveling that I wish to do for a time, but Idis is still not complete, and part of me wishes to return to a lab where I can continue my research. I am... Unfortunately, growing a little old, and I would like to see Idis at least completed before I before I go. How old is he? is Nikithi? He's old, dude. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's not like twenty. That's <laughs> I mean, why he's so slow. I just thought that was like part of being a slug. <laughs> I mean, that's probably part of it too. It's also, yeah, part of it is being a slug. <laughs> yeah, that's that's snails you're thinking of. Slugs are like uh, super fast. <laughs> <laughs> the slug life. Yeah. I think Talara would feel uh, somewhat obliged to make sure that the rune drive was properly uh, ushered to the to the next location. But after that would be a bit preoccup- preoccupied with, with going off, finding out more about her past. I mean, I think having had this recent vision and realizing what her powers are capable of. Um, I think she would like to to explore that more, both her present self and her and her past self, um, and hopefully try to track down uh, this android that she saw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, <clears throat> Wynn would, 
he has a desire to kind of still be around everyone, but he also recognizes that he has some soul searching to do in terms of, you know, the the powers that he unlocked of the, the Wild Knight and coming to full grips on what happened. I mean, he was a pretty broken bear at the beginning of this campaign and has since kind of kind of rediscovered his purpose. And I feel like he kind of wants to put put a, a punctuation mark on that before uh, meeting everyone again. I I tried my best to uh, to give Wynn some more trauma by killing one of your teammates, but <laughs> you kept them all alive, Captain. It seems that we all have things that we would like to take care of. However, I would like this not to be the end of our story together. What say you several months from now that we all meet again at Absalom Station at the Ramey's Rumpus Room? <laughs> How would you know about that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't this, doesn't this take place after? Yeah, yeah. I'm, so, I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying, is, is when a big R R R. I mean, who isn't? It's the it's the hottest place in the verse. That's pretty funny. What time would you like to? <laughs> Half seven. Uh, Absalom Station is on my short list of places to visit, and eventually I need to settle some debts. So I believe I could make room for that. Um, right. So. This conversation will last some time. You guys can make plans, talk about what, you know, you would like to do. Uh, Sedona says that, you know, she does want to complete her contractual obligations to Abadar Corps with Nakondas, but is, you know, has no more roots the, here than she does anywhere else in the system that she has lived. But this scene will indeed fade out as you all are, are sharing tea together and fade back in on a, a montage of scenes of Nakondis growing and building in the following days. The colony itself has been reinforced both from Abadar Corps and the stewards, but more and more deliveries of materials and colonists come in in the, the coming weeks, and the town of Madelon's Landing has almost doubled in size by the time well, from when you first got here and really does show no signs of stopping as the mining drill teams brought back mineral and core samples showing that the, the mountains to the north are indeed rich with rare earth minerals and some of the things used in the manufacturing of space fuel. So the planet has a, a bright future and we're still here a little while later, um, far out in the woods of Nakondas from the colony um, where we see Kaz busy at work in the shadow of the Royal Venture a bandana around your neck while your chest is bare and, and dripping with sweat. We see you finish burying a number of unmarked graves here. The cadets and Lieutenant Sharu are put to rest and you have the small holographic device that Evandrian gave you. Maybe have that placed nearby on the natural occurring stone plinth used as a headstone. Drew, looking back on everything that's happened to Kaz, what is he feeling now that this task is done? Kaz has had an interesting number of weeks, from not having his memory to 
going through through all of his training uh, for for a while, and then and then being confronted with this past he wasn't aware of, this tattoo that was found, this picture that looks just like him, this and now the the Sardat and Evandrian both sharing his face. He has questioned everything about who he is and what this means, and I think he is going to he's going to need some time. He's going to return to his to his commune, to his 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 vanguard <laughs> solitude, mm-hmm. and 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 talk to Master Joran and and share with read him the ex- sacred te- texts yeah. and and the doozy. And he's he's been on a pilgrimage. He started this whole mm-hmm. this whole experience being being on this pilgrimage to go out and learn about other cultures. When really he needs to spend some time looking inside, looking looking internally to figure out who he is. But to say you, you discovered your own heritage in a way, and kind of met your creator, and then uh, you, you've killed yourself also in another way. Uh, how, how is that Wayne on our, our Vanguard friend? He has had a sense of right and wrong uh, for of what he feels is right and wrong for a long time, and I don't think that he doubts any of the any of the things he did in the moment. I I, I don't think he doubts uh, <laughs> attacking the Sardat and trying to kill the Sardat uh, because that was clearly someone who was doing something wrong, something bad, mm-hmm. and especially considering that the Sardat is responsible for creating at least two clones uh, and putting them into different. Different parts of of the the Islanti military, the Islanti infrastructure. For all he knows, there are still more of his brothers out there that he may never come across. It could uh, be almost any of the Aeon Guard that you killed. You know, um, you might not know unless you take that helmet off. They're they're covered head to toe. But uh, one one thing that you might be able to figure out, I don't know if you've pieced it together yourself, Drew was that there really weren't a lot of memories Kaz was missing. He was created, uh, didn't have a childhood because there was no childhood to have. Um, you are not very old <laughs> as far as <laughs> actual years go. Um, but yeah, immediately, as soon as you were created, put into the Islanti Academy system and, and turned into a soldier... But that means that because you don't have really a past to search for, you can make the future whatever you want it to be. While you're you're thinking about all this, there's a rumbling in the, the distance as a trike comes up the hill. The, the pilot takes off their glasses and helmet to reveal Jellic Fulson, who uh, timidly kind of walks up and, and gets a sense of what you're doing here and uh, says... Hey there, Kaz. Didn't, didn't mean to scare you. Saw, saw you take off a couple hours ago this morning in this direction. Figured you were going out here for some alone time, and then, well, maybe you would like a, a lift back to town. Thank you, Jellic. I, I appreciate you worrying about me, but I believe I'll walk. I need the time to clear my head. <laughs> you mind? Uh, well, can I, I ask you why do you, you bury them bodies? Uh, after all, what them as Lanny did to us and, and did to you? Why don't they just deserve to rot in that ship like their ancestors afore them? We are all products of our circumstances, of our experiences. Their circumstances were different than ours, and I do believe that on some level they did what they thought was right, regardless of whether we agree or not. Hmm. I don't know that if I was 
put in a different circumstance that I might not be exactly the same as them. That sounds like that sounds like something a real smart fellow would say, I guess. Uh, well, what's next for you, Kaz? Uh, where are you going after this? Where, you ain't gonna be on the Candace forever. No, I think for for a time I'm going to to return home and refocus, meditate, share my experience with with my master, and and after that, who knows? Jellic will will leave you to to stew on that as you look up through the mists and the treetops of Nakondas and out into the the vast of of space, where we switch now. Uh, bajillions of miles away in the, the deep of space, way back on Absalom Station, maybe a few weeks later, where an Asharu man stepping off of a shuttle into Docking Bay 41. Nikithi, we see Idis kind of padding beside you, you know, rebuilt, bigger, better than ever, full of what maybe looks like rare metals given to you by the mining teams of Nakondis. Thanks for your work in, in freeing the colony. Um, Nikithi can stop in at an old favorite bar of his on the station. Oh no, not Remy's Rumpus Room, but the the fairly well-traveled, quiet HUD bar where the elite of the station could rub elbows with Kim dealers from the Spike and adventurers from all over the galaxy. Would Nikithi, if you've been here before, have a favorite booth or somewhere that they would set up? Oh yes, the one in the corner. With the hookah? Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's free. There's maybe a few other small parties here, but it's fairly quiet. And you're allowed to, to sit there and think about your future. But you aren't there for more than an hour or so when a, a slick-suited human with dark skin and a, a sheen of magic about him uh, approaches you and kind of holds out his hand with a card in it and says, The name is Obadah Mafad, and you are the famous Nikithi, and I trust this must be Idis. You are correct on both accounts, although calling me famous is jarring. I travel in circles where knowing someone's name such as yourself and perhaps their location puts me in the business of making substantial amounts of credits. If I had a stomach for guns, I might make a decent bounty hunter, but uh, I'm in another business entirely. The card he hands you has his name on it in a very holographic kind of sheen. And beneath it, uh, his comm information on Absalom here and his title, which is Talent Acquisitions. Talent Acquisitions. And what exactly of my talents are you looking to acquire? Well, isn't it obvious that uh, that title is just a fancy way of saying a headhunter. I work uh, freelance, connecting employers with skilled, motivated individuals that have proven themselves in their field of knowledge. Word is you're back from taking your biotic uh, rig here out and field testing it against the Aslanti, is that right? Yes, the tests were encouraging. Well, I have an employer that is ready to make a significant offer for a few years of work in Biotechnica in the vast. Interesting. I would like to hear more about that. It's a very small subsidiary of a a much more powerful corporate umbrella, but you're going to have your own lab, maybe a few assistants, carte blanche to continue your own research along with a few other projects and and even more resources than you've ever had before. How does something like that sound? My interest in continuing to develop the living weaponry is my great desire 
if I am given carte blanche to continue my work, I will tinker with whatever else these people want me to. There's like concerned Ida sounds next to you. <laughs> like, okay. But uh, this this man, Mr. Muffud, says, tell me, Nikithi, have you ever heard of the Bronze Bream Research Consortium? We'll leave these two figures here in the shouty, shady corner of the HUD bar to talk as we head back out into space to a location we haven't seen since episode 75, when you all picked up supplies in a small backwater asteroid called Urkala in the Chuva system in the vast. Normally just a stopping off point for refueling, but it's also the home to the Mammoton City where smugglers, gangs, and pirates run together as thick as thieves. And it's here we see Talara again, back to her old tricks. She waits in a darkened alley in one of the abandoned factory districts of the city with just a few crates behind her that are marked property of Abadar Corps. Before too long, uh, that you're you're waiting here by yourself. A couple of sketchy-looking humanoids, Rebecca, walk up, both of elven ancestry, kind of like trundling, their long ears full of piercings and plugs, and wearing battle-scarred armor, as is the norm for walking down the streets of Mammoton City. Uh, are, are you the tiefling? One of them asks timidly. <laughs> yeah, I'm the tiefling. Oh, we've got the unmarked credits that you were able to, uh, are you able to get those blank Abadar cred sticks? Of course I did. Is it true what they say about you? The the skinnier of the two says, and the other one kind of like hits him in the arm and says, shh, he didn't mean anything by it. Talara looks him straight in the eye and says, it's all true. Oh, it's just some of them talkers around town, you know, say all kinds of things. <laughs> well, they, they said that you and your crew took out a, a gang here a ways back, and then you took on the Aslani themselves. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. The skinnier one goes slightly pale and kind of continues on and says, uh, there was this pirate captain. We thought the guy was full of it at first, but he came through a ways back and said... Uh, he, he knew you, and and I, I believed him, miss, uh, the demon smuggler of Mammoton, he called you, this, this captain, what was his ship's name? The Defiant Nova, um, he said he picked you out of a, a terrible battle when you were young, something about the darkness returning, I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but that captain got real quiet when people started asking questions about you, miss, and he said, uh, you know, her past is is not to be uncovered. She's a curse who any share her birth. And he hightailed it out of the asteroid after that. Good riddance. Uh, listen, we, we don't want to upset you here. We, we just want the chips, not any trouble. We threw in some extra money just so there won't be any cause for the disrespect uh, of some of the other gangs. Um, whatever you do, just please do not turn our eyes to acid or our tongues to lava. Take your sticks and leave. They will indeed <laughs> run away. Um, where where is Talara heading next? Um, you, you mentioned that she might be interested in, in looking more into her past. What exactly happened to her when she was younger? Where do you think her next steps are? Well, I, I think she's um, <laughs> uh, alone in her thoughts at the moment, uh, thinking of her captain. Um, former captain rather she has no interest in him i mean as far as as she's concerned he was the the captor and and nothing more than that so any of his superstitions that 
pirates have or whatever about what what she actually is mean nothing to her. I mean, she just sees him as as an evil abductor. Um, but yeah, I think that um, she might would have be... the information that she's looking for, though. I maybe, maybe, maybe. <sighs> yeah, he, he is the one that kind of you know put her into the the life of piracy and smuggling, and is the direct cause of many of your woes your your character's backstory but is it is that worth diving back into your your old life to to figure out what it's exactly a great question that is? i mean i i think she would like to mm, she'd like to know where he went or more about what he might know about her life before him but at the same time she's very torn because I mean, like I say, I mean, he's he's nothing but evil for her. I mean, he was the ruiner of her life as far as she's concerned. Um, if uh, if a bone, a broken bone doesn't set right and heals over, you know what they do to it, right? They break it again. Crack it right open and set it right. It's a time to open up some old wounds. It might be. I, I'm not sure she has any other choice. I mean, she wants to delve deeper into her past, but I mean, if he's the key, if he's the only lead she has, then yeah, I guess she would chase him down. Find another job that takes her in his direction. These are the thoughts going through Talar's head as she makes her way back to the, uh, maybe a nicer neighborhood uh, near the, the starport um, and is uh, deep in these thoughts as as we, we leave her walking into a kind of a rundown motel and travel back into space to another corner of the galaxy as you all have divided up in your future. And we see a, a silently spinning pearl of green and a sea of black space. As we get in closer, we can see that it is a humongous, a gargantuan uh, Raxolite crown canopy vessel known as the Emerald Spike, a huge multi-tiered bubble space station and kind of like a mobile planet for the, the little critters. And it's here in one of these hallways. We see the large wind walking through another, like it's not 10 foot wide. It's just a little shorter of that. I'm sorry. Wind is oh. not, is not made for giant bears, but yeah, we, we see you uh, walking among hundreds of these tiny Raxolites and, and dozens of other, you know, medium-sized aliens trundling from biome to biome of the the ship's parks and and living bubbles. Generations of people have lived here as this mobile platform has been home for many of the tiny peoples away from the planet, um, the Raxolites planet where outsiders are not allowed. When you're here and as you get to your destination, a smaller bubble kind of opens up, um, one that has been the home of a Xeno Warden retreat for decades, a place they call the Moonfall Gardens. It's here where you're inducted into the ranks of other guardians of the Greenway and where you've not been back since you left their ranks after your failed mission. And entering into this lush garden, you're greeted with some new faces, some old here on the Council of Seven as they greet you and you tower above most of them, as tall as some of the trees here in this this grotto uh, an elf in a, a wooden mask starts the proceedings by saying when of the hexen way you have neglected your duties as a knight of the green way in your unauthorized behavior years ago a goran priestess speaks up across the circle from the elf and says we are here to discuss your future and that of your journey from outside these doors a small 
Ahsoki in, in green robes says, You have to explain yourself, Win of the Hexen Way. What have your travels taught you of the weeds of redemption and the vines of perseverance? Wynn sort of looks everyone over and says, When I began my journey, I was lost. I did not understand what the connection to the green meant. I was young and foolish and thought everything had to be solved with just war. And it wasn't until I was found by the android Sedona and set upon this this insane series of events that led to us coming against the Ion Throne, the Aslanti, who for all intents and purposes are almost the exact opposite of us. They are what we strive not to be. And finding myself in camaraderie with others for a good purpose and being in the vast disconnected from the green at the same time gave me time to reflect on who I feel I I meant to be. When we have read reports that you have unlocked the power of a knight of our order, you did so without training. Under what circumstances did this happen? My crewmate Kaz and I were fighting the Sardat of the Aslanti Empire. At the time, we thought he had killed our friend the Goblin Bumfuzzle, and the odds were stacked against us. And it was then that I unlocked the power of the green. Hmm, yes. When you, you speak of a need to, to forgive yourself, as well as gain our forgiveness for your dereliction of duties, but the road to your salvation leads only one way, and that is through your own heart. You must know that in your duties as a knight, in our work as Sina Wardens, many seedlings may die for one tree to grow to maturity. It is only your own actions that will allow you to get past this and understand this truth. Are, are you ready here and now to seek atonement and move on, Wynn? I am. We have a prophecy to return your person to the green path that of our ancestors who walked only on terrestrial soil. Your task is threefold. First, you must seek out the dark corners of this world where nothing can grow and bring life to the soil. Second, you must choose a path that sees the protection of all life before that of destruction, choosing peace before conflict. Your third task is the honor the sacrifices of those around you and always put yourself before others in harm's way in a manner befitting your title from here on out when do you honor the planting of the seed the growth of the roots and the rot and return of the garden cycle and will you likewise follow these three edicts as this council has given them to you I will. Then you are hereby given the rank of Sir Wynne of the Hexen Way, Guardian of the Lighted Path. There's a, a deep and loud drumbeat on taut flaxen hide across a, a hollow tree trunk elsewhere in this glade. They nod and, and lead you from this holy place, and once more you feel a, a weight lifted from your furry shoulders. As making things right here has kind of given you this internal wellspring of emotions as you step out of the bubble and back into the, the hallway. 
Last but not least, we need to once more venture out into space and into the drift as we see a number of figures walking up a starlit path towards a discreet electronics shop with a a neon sign out front that reads Kindori's in blue lettering. There's a small figure in the middle flanked by a couple of androids, and that is where, oh, we see a bum fuzzle. Ah! As Sedona and Aereo, you are are led into this this building and into the back room where once more you meet a number of the members of the Founding 19 Order. They're here to to greet you. We see Andio and Andy and and Nine and I've I, I can't make all the names. There's so many, <laughs> but a lot of them, not the full 19 yet. At least eight. I I think we need to start a, a, a <laughs> internal <laughs> wiki for the the meta plot here. But yes, they greet you and say, "Bumfuzzle, we take it that your mission was a success." Yes, yes, it was. I uh, I have brought to you, behold, Ario. Ario very quizzically looks at you and then at them and steps forward and reveals the manufacturer plate on. His chest is well-worn to the passages of time, but Andio runs a scanner over it and kind of reveals, indeed, the letters A and D, and then a dash, and the number 12 that stylistically looks a little bit like Andes, with a Z. <laughs> Aha! See? Aha! My name is Ario, but I believe that others that have taken this form have used this, and points at his chest, Indeed, as a, a designation. Bumfuzzle tells me you're some kind of religious organization. I lean back towards uh, towards Sedona and say, This could have been you. You could have been the cool one, but you had to go and goof it up. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not as old as, Shh, as Andy. Hush, hush. It's an important ceremony. Andy steps forward and says, My sibling, we are the founding 19... And we believe that at our core, we are the original 19 androids that were created eons ago and and given souls by our god. We have been given visions and portents that if we were to join together, we will reveal an ancient aspect of our god Triune. Come, there, there is much to tell you and we have more of our kind to find in the coming years. Bumfuzzle, the the android that was once known as Null Nine, comes up to you, a very serene face. She's wearing the the robes of the the Founding Nineteen. She greets you and and Sedona. Bumfuzzle, Bumfuzzle gives gives a a a generous nod, or not a nod, a bow. Oh, how formal! Um, reasonably formal. Bumfuzzle, you you have done this ecumenical body a great service. We operate off of a predictive algorithm that was magically attuned to your former predecessor, Kaliwobble. All of this was written and foretold, but we only knew that sending you to seek out Sedona might lead to you eventually finding a member of the 19. We did not know exactly what or, or who was going to be the member, but you seem to have beaten several of our predictions and exceeded our various outcome scenario forecasts. One of the the prophecies said that you were going to die by falling down a giant hole. <laughs> oh, that's a, oh, that's a good one. 
Oh. Bumfuzzle, are you, are you not pleased that your task is complete? You, I, you don't seem happy. Well, no, I, I am, I am, I am. I'm glad that I was able to help. I, um, I was just a little confused, you see, when, uh, you know, we found, uh, we found uh, my, we found my target, and this isn't, this isn't in it. And model, and, <laughs> you know, it's, it was just a bit confusing. I felt a little left out. I felt a little, I felt like a real dunce, I tell you that. We did not know either. The path that Kali Wobble's prophecy laid out was convoluted. He himself knew that taking you and, and Catty Wampus to the Acreon would potentially mean his death, but there are always possibilities. No future vision we create in our predictive model is set in stone. He was a wise goblin. That is true. What I'm trying to say is that his future, as is your own, is what you make of it, my friend. Oh. Oh? Exactly. Whatever you want it to be. But what? You make your own future. From here on out, it is yours. Am I fired? Well, no. If you want to continue to work for us, we have still more of our kind we need to find, but... Are you laying me off? Perhaps. Maybe. You just take a break. Step back. Uh, but uh, did, did I do something wrong? No, but there is someone that has been with us for some time that has been waiting to oh, see. Oh, so I'm being replaced, I see. Uh, as, as you turn around, indeed, you see your replacement. As Caddy Wampus is standing right there behind you. Skip! <laughs> <laughs> he uh, holds up a, a pickle for you and say, Hey, Bumfuzzle, how's it pickling, brother? <laughs> <laughs> That's Caddy Wampus's voice now. Caddy <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. Wampus, you sound so different. He he comes out to embrace you and gives you a hug. I eat the pickle <laughs> and I give him a hug too. I also give him a hug, big I, hug. I left Andis as one four eight with his friends. So he's a good hand. I, I want to <laughs> I want to come back and meet you here after your mission. <laughs> I'm pretty red android lady. Are you a magical android like these ones? <laughs> no, she's not, she's not magical at all. She's just a normal folk. Just like everybody else. That's cool. So what's up, Bumfuzzle? What happened? <laughs> give, me the, give me like the top three highlights of your vacation on the Condus. Oh boy, what a vacation it was. I got stranded in a jungle. What? And and then I got blown out of the sky. Oh boy. And then I got thrown off a bridge. That sounds pretty boring. Did did you at least make some new friends along the way? Well, I made two friends, but I won't tell you which ones. <laughs> the, were the rest big jerks? <laughs> yep, all the other ones I hated all with all my blood. <laughs> sounds about accurate. Anyway, I think I've been relaxing here enough. I, I think it's time for old Catawampus to pitch in to the effort. I, I was thinking about taking a trip out to the vast like you and join up in, a, in, a, in an effort, a small army on a backwater planet where I'll probably never see any combat. Have you ever oh. heard of the, the Suskillin system before? No, that sounds relaxing. We, we watch as the two goblins and Sedona exit the electronic shop and outside are Nikithi and Talara, Wynn and Kaz waiting for you guys with 
the rune drive between you all in this bustling street, androids and robotic beings moving by. You've got it between you on a, a small dolly and we're waiting to pull it further up the the streets to the the temple of Triune at the the, the heart of Alluvion. Any, any last words here for, for you guys? As this is indeed what you have voted on to to give it back, perhaps to the goddess of interdimensional travel, um, where it might be might be the safest, some some place where it isn't really needed. So Nikithi pulls out a small pistol. He's made over the time we've been traveling at the end of the adventure. He's made a lot of modifications. There's a a, a bone frame. The barrel is as much metal as it is uh, hard chitin. There's a Tushtari lens uh, at the end of it, allowing the gun to be boosted, and uh, it glows with fusions and upgrades. And the on the handle, in the bone handle, it's it's there's a name, and it's called the Misty Five, and it says Tajelic. This gun is for those who find their luck in the mist. And he produces it, and he says, I took Jellic's gun when back when this first started and to me it has always been a symbol of our coming together and it embodies our entire adventure to me but I wanted to give it back you know with some Nikiti touches to it and I would be honored if you would all carve your signature into it as well. Uh, Bumfuzzle steps up and uh, inscribes uh, their name as uh, Bumfuzzle R Ools forever, and then passes the, <laughs> then passes the little torch off to Kaz. Okay, Kaz charges his index finger with entropic acid energy and draws a design on the the gun as his signature. Oh, too good for a pen, I see. Hands it off to uh, to uh, Win. Uh, Win takes his claw. Oh, okay. now I see what's happening. And signs his name <laughs> and hands it to Talara. Talara signs her name, but in doing so, secretly imbues the the gun with the ability to summon a, a demon just to play a little trick on, <laughs> on Jellic. <laughs> That's canon now. <laughs> Bumfuzzle throws the pin off into the universe so that it's never seen again. <laughs> no one will ever write with this stencil again. Uh, well, yeah, the, the pen will float away <laughs> as as you throw it up, uh, and the camera will, will move out as well uh, as we see you guys walking up the asteroid side uh, up these streets, and we'll pull out until Alluvion is just a, a single dot, the empty expanse of the drift, where these massive purple and green clouds form into shapes, indeed into towering letters size of constellations and the emptiness of this dimension and those letters spell out to the gods and alternate dimension beings wise enough to be able to read them it's the words the, the end. end and then there's an infinite amount of question marks that stretch out after it <laughs> <laughs> because that's not the last scene of this season oh no we see a, a montage of the five of you continuing on in your journeys across the system. Nikiti in a private corporate starship later on. And Kaz, you know, maybe waiting for a transport vessel to leave Nakondas. And when stepping off the Xeno Warden, you see Bloom Freighter 
into a, a new and, and strange alien jungle while Talar is floating around space stations looking for answers to questions of her past. And Bumfuzzle, we see you say a farewell to Sedona there on Alluvion as she departs back to continue her colonization work on Nakondas. Sedona, I'm sorry I thought you were that other person, but you turned out to be pretty cool all on your own. I'm sorry I was never able to find you for this mission, but from what I was told, you were saving the universe somewhere else, so... What can I say? I'm good at finding you? I mean, I'll get back to you. All right, but bye! Bumfuzzle, as you turn to leave, there's an anasite courier that stops you, places Ah. an envelope in your hand. Likewise, we see automated drones sending out packages to win in the, the deep jungles here, as well as similar packages to the, the rest of the crew of the Phoenix's respite. Throughout the galaxy, each of you receive a blue and white embossed package with your name on it, and in the corner, a small stylized asteroid logo that rests above the words New Elysium and opening the package. You find a letter that reads to be continued. Oh! Bum, bum, bum. It had to do. It couldn't. Oh, that's not the end. I don't, I, well, I don't, I can't tell the future. Much <laughs> like Bumfuzzle, but I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think that <laughs> these Surpri- character stories are done personally. Surprise, everybody. Season three is not going to start yet. We're going on <laughs> with more season <laughs> two. Single screams <laughs> would be a lot of fun right now, right? Let's just do a Another 40 episodes. I can't wait till you guys see what Kaz looks like now. I I, I think we have at least just some more gaming with him in the future. Let's just say uh, we'll see you later. <laughs> but right. Yeah, not indeed the end of their stories, but it is indeed the end of season two of the podcast. It's, mm-hmm. That's done. Um, this is a really fun season. I really had a lot of fun this time. I Thanks, everybody. Too. I, I mean, we're going to talk about it next in our season wrap up, but yeah, it's, it's, it's emotional for me putting these characters to bed. Um, I've definitely had some of the most fun playing Starfinder in this season. Um, I don't know if you guys have fun playing these same characters, but all in all, I mean, I wouldn't trade this season for anything else, even, even an upcoming season where I might've written a book. (laughs) Uh, I had a lot of fun. I I knew that this shorter season was going to be different. It was going to be fun in its own right, separate from the amount of fun that we had with dead sons. So uh, we, I I loved bum fuzzle quite a bit. (laughs) I'm sure we'll talk a lot about this next week, but that's true. Yes. And as, I always do here. Uh, I just want to say that you guys are some of my best friends. Uh, completing not one, but two of these Starfinder campaigns, I don't think it would be possible, you know, without straining our friendship in some way or as exploding <laughs> 115 episodes later. But here we are, baby, about to start season three. <laughs> um, but I just want to say I honestly wouldn't want to be doing this podcast or playing this game with any other peoples out there that I can think of. So I'm going to say this for the last time this season. I want you to know that I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for playing with me. Thank Thank you. you. Uh, Listeners, if you want to hear more from us, you don't have to wait too, too long. Season three is going to start off in the far future of the year 2020. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to 115 episodes or 41, however many you did of this podcast. And we especially want to thank all of our Patreon supporters made this all possible in this last year we have i think it's undisputed the friendliest and most caring ttrpg community out there mm-hmm. and we might be small but our hearts are mighty as well as the hearts of our listeners so thank you for listening and being and embodying what it means to be a critter manager critter managers are the best community on the internet they're the best i don't think that, yeah i don't think anyone can dispute that <laughs> If anyone say, tries, I'll fight them tomorrow. As, as I'm in the parking lot, speaking directly to them, it's like no one would. Um, yeah, that's that's gonna do it for us. So signing off for season two, guys. We will see you next week and next season. See you next season, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Cosmic Crit. This episode has been made possible through a sponsorship with Roll20, and the backing of our Critamander fans on Patreon. Thanks again and have a great week.